Hey guys, we're back with VP Precision. I got my buddy Jake on here finally, so we're catching up. We've done a, I've done a couple interviews solo, and um, I love talking to Jake. And uh, we finally shot a match together this last weekend, so we're just going to catch up, uh, kind of recap that, talk about what's going on. We're excited to get a shoot again, and it was fun to fun to see him. People think we're like neighbors because we're. We're always shooting together, hanging out, but we really live like eight hours apart and, <laughs> and, and don't see each other that much. So no. um, it was fun to get a shoot together. Um, so anyway, how you been, buddy? It's been a little bit. I've uh, been, been uh, really good. I've been obviously shot the match this last weekend mm-hmm. and just had a real good time down there. I'm excited to, to get, get back to shooting and, yeah. and uh, you know, training. I, I really, I took a a month and a half or two months and I didn't even pick a rifle up. Yeah. And now that, now that we're getting back into it, uh, just going to the range and training and getting back in the groove, it actually feels really good. Yeah, for sure. You, did you, so downtime, everyone was doing their own stuff. You've been pretty busy with, uh, building a new shop still for JC steel, correct? That's right. So yeah, we've been, uh, we've been building the shop and it's, uh, it's obviously quite the project. It's uh, just a touch under 10,000 square feet. Cool. And we're going to kind of move all of our operations over there this summer sometime and we're done. we got all the interior walls and offices and showroom and all the manufacturing, all that kind of stuff. Pretty well hammered out. And uh, so we're going to move basically our operations. And, you know, we do a lot of other stuff besides targets. And we do, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so it's truck hitches and signs and so on and so forth. So it's been it's been uh it's definitely been good to us we're gonna cool keep rocking but man is it a big project <laughs> do you feel like you do you feel like you're around in the corner or where do you i mean like over the hill or whatever you want to call it you like yours is still pretty stressful or do you feel like you kind of got some pretty good m- momentum going i building stuff sucks and <laughs> it just takes forever it takes so. twice as long costs twice as much it just takes twice yeah. as long it costs twice as much but yeah. It's it's really rewarding because it's ours and that's you know, a cool spot to too. Yeah, it's a cool spot. We're up on the hill. We got a good view. Yep. Um, maybe we'll shoot some twenty two there someday. And oh yeah, and it'll be fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. I can't wait for that thing to get done, especially with a little bit of a little apartment up top and some cool. It'll be a cool hangout spot. Yeah. So anyway, so we'll just uh, we'll jump right in. We're both. I mean. It has been weird. I was all you guys know, like everything just kind of shut down. And for for me, I try to shoot a lot in the spring. And so I had a bunch of matches ready to go and then just off. And I also, so I had a, I have a little landscape company, as you guys know, I've just, just a couple guys work for me. One of the guys got a different job. Um, great guy, no big deal, but I got to replace him. Well, I put a, a help wanted ad right when this whole thing, this Corona deal started or COVID, whatever you want to call it. And so then I'm home. I'm not traveling or shooting or at all because everything's shut down. So I've been working like crazy and we didn't hire anyone because we started losing. I started losing jobs. I lost some dental offices and restaurants and stuff like that as far as contracts for, for like landscape maintenance stuff. And so I was kind of holding tight and didn't want to hire anyone. So I've been working double time. Um, it's been, it's been good. It's been nice to be home. Um, I do miss, I do miss shooting and I can't wait to, to get back after it. Uh, this weekend was a good, I was, good to get back out there. So, um, yeah. that's kind of what's been going on with me. Uh, got to get a guy hired ASAP cause stuff is, seems to be kicking off pretty good as, as, um, you know, restrictions, restrictions are loosening. So I cannot wait for our matches are coming up. 
uh, just, it seems like stuff's kicking off. So anyway, we just got back from, it's Monday, uh, got back last night from, uh, the Parma, I can't wear the Parma precision rumble or what they call it. Precision rifle rumble. Precision rifle rumble over in Parma, Idaho. So, um, Brady Lamb and Jay Heimer, uh, put a, put a match on. It's their second year. Last year was first year doing the two day and this is their second year. Um, I was impressed. I thought they did a really good job. I know they came up to me like, Hey, what are you going to say about us? And I was like, Hey, I, you guys did a really good job. I thought there was a lot of challenging stuff. There were, there weren't really any gimme stages. There were, it was just a really, it was a super fun, difficult, consistently, uh, challenging course of fire. Um, what did you think overall? How did you feel about, um, about the entire course of fire before we kind of get into the details? Uh, I, I, I tend to agree. Um, and part of what I look at in a course of fire is I want the entire match to be fair and to be even, mm-hmm. um, in terms of difficulty level from start to finish. And so what I, you know, you and I have talked about it quite a bit mm-hmm. and you know, we've probably aired out some of the stuff here on, on BP precision. But when we have a match and you shoot 20 stages, you want 20 stages that are going to allow uh, the shooters to prove who who they are and what kind of skill level they have. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. there's some matches that you shoot 20 stages, but you feel like only 10 of them you are able really to to challenge yourself and to put yourself in that box. And maybe 10 more were mm-hmm. were uh, supremely easy, and you know a fifth grader could have done it. Yep. Um, and so this particular match, I felt like every single stage you had to show up. You had to be on your A game and you yeah. had to prove yourself. You know, I, I have to focus to, to really hit these targets. There's, uh, uh, there's a saying when it's like a, you know, a big target and, and you pull the trigger wrong and you should have missed it. Um, but you actually hit it cause the target was too big. There yep. wasn't really many of these, yep. uh, those kind of targets at this, at this match, which I really, really like. Yep. It allows every single shot to count and every single shot to mean something. So when you actually did hit a target, it was, it was valued and it was rewarded with a point. Agreed. Um, Agreed. Yeah. And some, sometimes you'll see, a, see people go one way where we're going to make a hard and really challenging Well, you can go too small of targets and make it be kind of silly. But I felt like they did a really good job. The targets were small. There were, there were a couple of decent sized ones, but for them, but not too big. And then the ones were very, very appropriate. I thought, you looked out there like, man, that's a tiny little target, but you still were getting hit. If you broke a good shot, the winds weren't crazy. So if you broke a good shot, you know, uh, you're most likely going to hit it. I think the biggest wind hold of the weekend was I held 1.5 was my biggest at 600 yards. And that's when it kind of kicked up on Sunday pretty good. But generally it was a, you know, you're playing edges out to like, you know, three to five tenths was kind of the weekend um, as far as the wind game was. It wasn't terrible, but it was it was just a super good balance of target size. So I thought uh, like exactly like what you said, there weren't there weren't five or six or ten stages where it's like, well, most guys are going to get nines or tens, so you can't really separate. But there was, I mean, there was 18 to 20 of the 20 stages were pretty much like separator stages which were good and i didn't hear i didn't hear a bunch of people complaining oh it was too hard it was this like i was like how'd you do it's like oh we had fun but that was tough but i didn't hear any i didn't hear much negative and i talked to a lot of different guys from one guy was his first two-day match and then 
Well, actually, I talked to multiple guys. It was their first two day. Um, yeah. And, you know, some that have different experience levels and they really liked it. So um, I don't know. Some people, I think match directors get scared that people won't, it'll be too hard and they won't come back because you want to make them feel good. But I think there it seems like there's a way to do it where you can hit enough targets still, still have fun, but it's still challenging enough, which is a tough mix. And I thought they did a great job. So yeah, all that to say, that we, good, good job, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we shot with a couple of new shooters and we kind of were, you know, coaching yep. them through, um, you know, where they hadn't shot very many national level matches. Mm-hmm. They were kind of just getting into it. And so being able to coach those guys, being able to coach those guys that, uh, you know, they don't have the experience. They don't have that kind of stuff, but when they do hit a target, they feel so much better about themselves. Yeah. Did they have some, some twos, some threes? Well, yeah, they did. Um, and even some very, very good talented shooters had some twos and threes and that's just how it goes. Absolutely. Um, I got, I got some solid fours. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, when, when, you know, but then when they get a six, a seven and eight, you know, stuff like that, they're like, man, okay, this is starting to come together. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And it's a, and it's a, a, lot it's a seven so. or an eight. That's worthy to feel good about. It wasn't a hundred percent of you know, 500 yards or something. Exactly. So yeah. it was, it was some good stages. So anyway, um, let's kind of dive into, I'm going to, well, okay. So here's, I, I, I had some good stages, some bad stages. My Saturday was a disaster. My Sunday was good. Your Saturday was amazing. Your Sunday was okay. Um, it was good, but it, <laughs> it, it was good, but it wasn't. We both was very mediocre. We kind of shot the same on Sunday, and it wasn't. It wasn't great. We we shot. We were right there, but there was a couple key points that we needed to have. Another, you had another two to three points under our score from Sunday, and it was it was good. We shot good, yep. but not. We left it a little bit on the table. You shot, you burned it down on Saturday. So let's, I'm going to start with, I did a bonehead move. I, I, I needed to work on Friday. And so I worked on Friday instead of getting to sight in. And, mm-hmm. and that's, it was a decision I don't like. I did make it. I'm going to try to never make it again. Um, I thought I could get away with it and it bit me a little bit. Um, I ended up checking my zero later on Saturday and I was definitely low and I was missing some targets low. And, and so just my bad on Saturday, I, some of that, um, there a little bit of that, but I think the main thing for me is like, I got there late and I didn't sleep much on Friday night and I made, I kind of pride myself. I, I cannot stand mental errors. It's, it's the one thing you can 100% yep. always control there's our equipment problems. There's all, there are bad wind conditions. There are bad luck in this game, but mental, you can always control. And I absolutely blew it. And I don't know if it was, I don't for sure know what it was. Um, I didn't sleep a ton, but I slept enough and I made some, I made multiple mental mistakes on Saturday, things that I haven't done I don't know, in years, <laughs> shooting yeah. the wrong targets. I shot, I just, I don't know. It, Sunday was a different mental game for me. I shot, I broke a bunch of good shots and I got, and I had some just a lot better. And I don't know. I, I kind of sorting that out. So, so Friday, for, Saturday started for me. It was just, I blew it, not going there Friday and just getting there, sighting in, checking some drops and then relaxing that evening, going out to dinner and getting to bed at a decent hour. So that was, I, 
it was a choice I made and I wished I wouldn't have. I'm going to try to never do it again in the future. So <laughs> anyway, or at least you're learning from your mistakes. You know, I'm, tr- I'm trying. <laughs> I feel like I should know that. I, I kind of, I knew that I just, I thought I could get away with it. And yeah. I mean, we're, you were shooting at a high desert in Idaho. I live at 300 feet above sea level in a pretty much the West side of Oregon. It's kind of a rainforest. So we're like, it's, cool it's it's green it's wet it's low elevation and we're driving up to a high desert it's different it's it's you got to check those things and i tried to cheat it and it got me a little bit so that cost me a few points and my mental game definitely cost me some a few points for sure i think the mental game cost me more than my zero did because i know it did i just i don't know what my deal was saturday so anyway you started off on a tear so what 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 were I mean, I don't want to go through every stage, but um, what were some of your stages that stuck out to you? Like a couple of your strongest stages or you felt the best about any of those that stick out to you on Saturday? Uh, yeah, I, I feel I feel like um, I feel like I was seeing the bolt fly pretty well on on Saturday and mm-hmm. even on most of Sunday as well. I mm-hmm. um, I was seeing trace really well and I was I was spotting some of those. Um, some of those hard to see shots that a lot of people don't pick up. And, yep. and one example would be there was a barrel stage and you had to shoot over three different barrels yeah. and there were very small targets. And one of them was kind of somewhat skyline and it was a popper target. And so uh, they, they, you know, what I, they all were, there was two prairie dogs and a popper and they were all, yeah. they, none of them had a backdrop for, I'd say over a hundred yards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like it seemed like even longer than that. But it probably was. You know, it, it it's hard to know. So by the time you saw the bullet hit the ground, if you even saw it, it was way beyond the target. Um, yep. And so what I had, you know, saw is I, I actually I ended up cleaning this stage. But uh, one reason I want to talk about it is because I feel like there's there's a lot to learn from this particular stage. Mm-hmm. And so yep. what yep. happened is, is, is I shot my, you know, my first shot, I'm really focusing on the bullet, focus on watching it fly, seeing where it's going, because I know how important that shot is. What we were seeing is we were hearing other people getting twos and threes and fours and, and, you know, yep. they just couldn't get on these targets. And then if they're skylined and you miss you know, if you don't see your trace, if you don't see where that bullet goes, you don't know where to correct to. And so then it's just a guessing game. And as soon as you start guessing, then you the panic sets in and the whole stage is now a waste because you can't mm-hmm. recoup it back together and start to get on target. And yep. so one thing for, you know, for me on the barrel stage was, uh, what I noticed is for example, when I'm shooting and practicing watching trace, I actually see trace a little bit better when it's over the top of a target. Um, so if it's over like a gray target or something that's been shot up or something like that, I actually see the bullet fly a little bit better than I do when it's say in the air or over the field or uh, whatever. And I, I think it's just the, the distortion mm-hmm. differences between over the top of a gray background so uh, something like you're, that. you're saying in front of, so not above a target, but when it, when the trace crosses in front of the target, is that what you're saying? Exactly. So, okay. so obviously when I'm looking through my scope, the bullet is below my sight line. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, below my line of sight, the yep. bullet has to go up and cross over the top of my line of sight. 
and go up over the top of the target. And then it has to crest and then it goes down to the target. And so there's two different opportunities to pick up that bullet. On this particular stage, I was able to see the bullet. I believe I was holding about two tenths right. And this was not a very big target. Yeah, um, they were small. So it it might have been three tenths overall. And so I was holding off the target. But what I was able to see is I was able to see the bullet cross the target and go into the center of my first target. And at that point, I knew I could clean the stage and I knew I could shoot well on the stage because my wind call was exact. And, mm-hmm. it, and it was what I hoped it would be. Now, for example, a really good shooter um, will take those very small one-tenth differences and say, okay, my wind call was close. Maybe they still hit the target. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's a four-inch, or excuse me, a four-tenths wide target, and they hit, you know, on a, a tenth right of center, uh, you know, what most really good shooters will do is they'll actually, uh, you know, that this whole shooting game is all about tenths, you know, making that tenth correction left, 10th correction right to stay in the middle of the target mm-hmm. um, and that's going to be the bonus because really all the the winds switching all the time and it's really screwing people up but mm-hmm. what happens is if you stay on that right hand side of the target every single shot you know eventually the wind's going to pick up or let down and now you're going to miss one off that side and you know if you don't pick that up now you're two shots down etc and so yeah. Uh, for, for this particular stage, I just felt really good about it because I saw that first bullet fly and I could really, you know, pinpoint exactly where that bullet went. Perfect. I knew it was a good shot. I knew my wind call was good and I was able to run the entire stage based off of that wind call mm-hmm. and based off of that, that first wind hold, because it stayed true for me, um, in that, what? you know, and that's, that was, that was a fun stage. For that me, was a good, that was, I would say that's gotta be if not the toughest, probably one of the tougher stages of the match, hands down. What? Yeah. Do you remember what power you ran that on ballpark? I, I'm you curious. know, I, I typically run most of my stuff on 16, 17. Mm-hmm. Um, even my long stuff I run on. I had a bonehead mistake too. You actually caught me on it and mentioned it to me on another stage. Well, I'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I think I run most of my stuff on, on those type of stages around 16, 17. You know, my USO tends to have a really big field of view, and I like that. But yep. running on lower power also increases my eye box a little bit and, mm-hmm. you know, gets to, to be even a bigger field of view. Um, I just like seeing everything, and I like yeah. you know, having a really good view. I think you can see Trace better. Like, say you're zoomed in. For example, you've got a 60 power spotting scope and you're looking at something and somebody just barely taps it with their finger. If you're looking at, a, say, a 600 year target, just taps it on 60 power. You can't, I mean, it just shakes the whole image versus you're holding it, your hand holding an eight power set of binoculars looking at that. You can get bumped around and you can see those. The image yep. doesn't get jarred. And I've said on here a lot, and I still am, and I, sh- and, I, and I shoot this way, and I don't know how fast I will change it, but I love power, and I run pretty high power, and I really like picking spots, but it is not conducive to seeing trace, especially mm-hmm. from wobbly positions. And so that yep. first barrel was, it was, it was on its side, but it was a lightweight poly barrel, those plastic ones that don't weigh anything. And so yep. it was on gravel. It was really shaky. We kind of tried to wedge a game changer under one side to, to firm it up, but it still wasn't terribly, 
it wasn't shooting yeah. off some K and M cemented in the ground barricade type of thing. <laughs> this is a this is a wobbly rolling around piece of plastic, and so I dropped down and I hit my first three, and I felt pretty good about it. Uh, but I was not seeing very, you know, I wasn't seeing trace cause I was zoomed in pretty far and then I moved and I was, I started holding off to, um, I think I yeah, two or three tenths off to the right and the wind died on me. Um, and we can't feel it from the, you couldn't feel it from the shooter's position. I couldn't feel yeah. it on my body at dying and I didn't pick up trace and I dropped, I dropped two or three on that just sending one and i'm like oh no and it lands way back there and you're like hmm and 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 yeah (laughs) and so now you're guessing and you don't like did it pick up and so then it's then you're shooting the far the i don't know 450 yard little prairie dog and and you're still from you all of them were awkward positions off barrels and so still got a little bit of wobble and you're trying to anyway it catches you and i and i've been i have been thinking about that lower power i need to mainly I think it's a mental thing is when you look at a target on high power, it looks closer and bigger. It's easier to pick spots. I think it's mental. It just looks farther and smaller when I power down, but it doesn't change anything. It doesn't change my holds, but it certainly will allow me to, to see those things. So that's one thing I started practicing a little bit during this time was I was running some stages and I've done it in the past, but I think I need to commit to more that more, especially on those, Gosh, those stages just like that one because you saw it good and I didn't. And if I was on and it held, I would have been fine. Yeah. But it doesn't hold, and as you guys all know, that happens a lot in matches, and you got to adjust on the fly. So uh, that's a really good stage. I thought that. I think that probably was the toughest stage of the match. Um, it was. It was definitely a fun one. Um, you know, super challenging. If you were to, you, you know, you're right, and you said it. If it holds. Um, and you hit your first shot, you can probably clean it pretty easily. But if if it doesn't, you just have to be able to recognize where that bullet is going. Um, typically off of a, a somewhat, uh, unstable position and, you know, just make sure that you're pulling really good shots every time. What I had to do is I really had to make sure over the entire course of the match, um, that I was, because I haven't shot in a while, this particular, my my trigger finger wasn't working like I thought it should <laughs> and I was yanking shots and I was and, and when I'm saying yank I was yeah I I wasn't straight back on the trigger and I was kind of to the side and so for whatever reason I'm I'm on the target I feel like I'm pretty stable but then I kind of like am moving at the last moment and pulling my trick my trigger to the side Mm-hmm. And I can just, I can feel that it's a bad shot and I know it's a bad shot. Um, but for whatever reason, I just wasn't in the, I wasn't in the habit of, of pulling. I mean, I haven't pulled a, a bad shot for a while and I had three or four, maybe five this, this last weekend. And it, mm-hmm. and it was like, what are you doing? But then you get back <laughs> into it yeah, and you, you just, okay, breathe and pull the trigger straight to the rear BTF it all the way. Yep. And, yep. um, really focus on, on all that. One of them that I did that on, you actually caught me and it was on a 10 position, somewhat modified prone over gravel (laughs) (laughs) barrels. And so we're shooting a target like 980 yards and you got to shoot one, move the next position, shoot one, move the next position, shoot one, move the next position. Mm -hmm. And I yanked the trigger on one and it was a horrible trigger pull. And it was like 
subconsciously in my mind, I didn't want to know the result of it. So I just got out of the gun real quick and went to the next position, hoping it was going to be an impact. <laughs> and of course I missed cause I pulled the trigger so darn bad. And it's just like, what, you know? <laughs> and like, so yeah, you even told me, I was, getting you know, I was like, you didn't stay in the gun on that one very long. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was just like, And I'm usually pretty good at staying in the gun until I see my bullet land because I want to pinpoint exactly where that bullet goes. Every once in a while, I I yank the trigger just like everyone else does. And that's kind of my natural reaction is I'm just going to go to the next one. Hopefully it hits. Sometimes you got a big target out there and it doesn't matter. You can get away with it. You ain't yeah. gonna trigger all day long, yeah. Um, yeah. and you're gonna get a bunch of impacts. But every, you know, every once in a while, it it definitely catches up to you. On that one, it caught up to me, and I I I got a nine out of ten on that particular stage and dropped that one, which was yeah, um, you know, which was definitely hittable for sure. It was a, uh, you know, it was yeah, it was right in the middle of your run. Shot, you but, you cold you yeah. hit your first round. You hit like five in a row, and then you just missed that one and hit the rest of them. And so it's like it wasn't like the wind shifted or anything. You just no, it is what it, it was, is. So yeah, so that was a that was a bonehead mistake for me. Um, and then I had some more too that uh, you know I'm learning to write down all my uh, things that I'd like to work on or remember afterwards. And one of them was. Uh, consistently not holding enough wind. Um, so for example, we had a PRS skill stage, which was another challenging stage. That was, um, that was it fun was, one. you ran 10 yards, you got on your rifle, you shot 300 yards, 400 yards, 500 yards, and 600 yards without touching your turrets. Um, so you couldn't dial up and then you, you run back, you grab another mag, um, at your starting position, go back to your rifle and then you do the exact same thing, but weak side. And you had to do this all in 90 seconds. It was actually a pretty, I haven't shot that skill stage very often, but it was, it was actually very refreshing to shoot that. Typically the skill stages are somewhat gimme type stages. And this one was not, was not it for sure. So, um, I, I just did not hold enough win. I, I started off shooting and, I was holding two tenths right in my first target at 300 and I was moving out to about three tenths at 400 Mm -hmm. and I should have went to like four tenths and a half mil, uh, respectively at 500 Mm -hmm. and 600. But for whatever reason, I just, I had it in my head to continue to hold that three tenths mark or, or to hold, you know, four tenths. And it just, now that I look back on it, it doesn't make any sense to me why I, why I didn't, you know, graduate up in my, you know, in my win holds. And that actually cost me some points because I dropped uh, two on that particular stage. Um, and, you know, now that I look back on it, I just need to hold a little more win and try to hold on that pro side because the wind's there. And I just, I hate underestimating the wind. And it was, that's it tough downside. though, because you had just, you had just overestimated the one before that. So you you missed on the pro side and so and that is the hard thing it was a switchy there was definitely some gusts that came through and then it also died down so it wasn't just it didn't just get up and run the whole day it definitely was i guess that was more sunday we ran into that on that that skill stage but on sunday it was a little more up and down 
And so that is, I, it is tough because I think I had ran that before you and I, the plates got a little bit bigger. 300 was tiny and they got a little bigger each range. And I kept playing those edges as they got bigger. And, and so, and so I had told you, I was like, man, I just ran, I ran those edges out and I clean, I dropped my very last shot. Um, you, you, you go three, four, five, 600 yards, run back, grab a mag, come back, switch weak side and go three, four, five, six again, doing holdovers on your weak side. And I dropped my last weak side shot, um, but I was rushed um, on time, and I was canted a little bit, and so I wasn't sure if it was – I broke. I had a timer on my gun, and I knew I was out of time, so I was, like, breaking the shot now or time now, so I broke the shot before I was as level as I wanted to be and just slipped it off the edge. So I had kind of given you that information, and so – as much as we try, as I don't know if you're better at it than me, but as much as I try to, I always try to make my own decisions and, and, and make this thing, you know, your calls. But when the guy off gets off in front of you that you trust tells you what he did, you're, it's, it's hard not to start with that at least as long as, you know, when we were running the same kind of dope. So yep. I, yeah. I probably influenced that a little bit, unfortunately. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's not, you know, it's, it's, it's still, it's, it's up to the shooter to make, um, you know, the shooter can get all the information they want, but out here in the West, it just doesn't hold up where it's consistent. It just does not. Yeah. Um, if there's no wind and like, I mean that, you know, that's the funny part. If there's no wind, someone comes off and says, Oh, I held center. Well, of, yep. of course you did. There's no wind. Yep. Um, and, but you know, when we come off and, and it's blowing and you're like, well, it's switchy. I held two tenths, three tenths. A lot of times, you know, that doesn't matter because we already know what's blowing right to left now, you know, um, yeah. but it's just, it's so switchy that it's going to go, it's going to come and it's going to go. And you got to try to pick it up during your little 90 second run on the clock <laughs> yeah. and, and see what works, um, you know, best for you at that moment, because the flag can, can go one moment and the flag will drop down or come mm-hmm. right after you the next moment. And it completely changes your wind calls, obviously. So, yeah, um, the best, I mean, again, that's why we talk so much about, you know, for all you guys, a lot of this is old news, but talking so much about seeing your shots. And again, you watch guys at every shoot bury three shots in the same hole, like just make a correction. And so it happens all the time. Like you finished that tire stage and you cleaned it and you're like, dude, I ran uh, seven tenths on the far one and I ran a half mil up close and cleaned it. I'm like, sweet. And so I'm next up. And, um, your first you, couple were good. You, 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 you stand up and then the wind just comes ripping right when I'm they're, they're, they're saying shooter ready. The wind just goes. So you shot seven. I was like, well, I'm going to a mill and I missed by a mile. I should have, yeah. I don't. And that's, that gets into, I'm not sure what, cause Paul, Paul, Paul Dallin, we shot with Paul Dallin and a bunch of good guys, but he's, a, he's awesome. And he was like, dude, just take a second. And I was like, and I felt awkward. I don't want to be that guy. It's like, just give me a minute. The wind's picking up, but I could have pulled my Kestrel out of my pocket and at least kind of just settled for a second. And I don't know where that, when we talk about (sighs) etiquette and match, you know, but it came out of nowhere and I needed to go to one and a half mils to hit that target. Mm -hmm. So I was one mil on the close one and one and a half. Well, I dropped a couple shots catching, like I missed by a mile. The first shot (laughs) I held a mil, I needed one and a half. And so then you're kind of, you're chasing your tail. And I'm not sure, I guess if you're not in a big jam and you got time, I should have, I should have taken 20 seconds 
or even 10 seconds, pull that out, take a quick wind wind reading, and then just run a couple numbers just to let my, just to get it in my head instead of like, screw it, we'll do it live (laughs) and just go. So there's, and I don't know, I can't, it depends on the match you're at. You don't want to be standing there. I'm not waiting for perfect conditions. I'm not going to. I'm not going to sit there and be like, Oh, hold on. I got to go get, I got to go get a drink of water and, and wait for it to calm down. I don't, I, I hate that kind of thing or, or say, Hey, I'll just, I'll shoot later in this order or something like that. I know guys cherry pick guys that don't follow orders a lot. will cherry pick when they go, when they think the wind's calm or steady or whatever. And I'm not advocating for that, but, but at least like, that's the thing is I saw my shot and I missed a couple. I did miss a couple and then ended up, you know, running from there, but it was, a uh, it, it comes and goes, but again, just another reminder to you got, that's why these small calibers are so popular is cause they, you can less recoil and you can spot your stuff better. So, um, anyway, just, uh, just a reminder on that. You can, the wind comes and it goes and it bites you both ways. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, you, any, what else from anything else from day one that st- stands out to you, any negatives or positives that, you had a pretty um, solid you know, day. I mean, there weren't a whole lot of negatives for you on Saturday. You you lit it up. I mean, it was yeah. I shot pretty well. I still left a few shots on the table on on Saturday, um, but I I cleaned a bunch of stages, mm-hmm. and it was pretty much exactly opposite of Sunday. And so I was able to to go into Sunday with a little bit of a lead. Yep. Um, but then Sunday, I think I cleaned one stage out of ten on Sunday. But I, I happened to get a bunch of nines, uh, mm-hmm. you know, dropping one. And yep. so I dropped one on a bunch of stages. Well, unfortunately, when you drop one, you know, there's typically some guys in there that are going to clean those. And it just happened that, that, you know, there was a guy in second place, Morgan, and yep. he ended up cleaning the ones that I was getting nines on. And so he shot really well on, yep. on Sunday. Kudos to him. Um, he did. I think he only dropped six. What did he drop? Yeah, six or eight points on Sunday. Yeah, just not not very many. And so he shot well. Pretty good. I ended up, uh, you know, he ended up beating me by another three shots. And so, mm-hmm. um, but you know, you know, the, it just comes and it goes. And and every once in a while, the wind is going to hose you. Some of those shots were my fault because I wasn't paying attention. Some of them were really bad, terrible wind calls. Um, that sometimes go your way and sometimes they don't, and you, you learn off of those shots. And so there's a couple where, you know, I, I was holding three tenths, right. Or four tenths, right. And I really didn't need any wind at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so that very first shot, you think it's windy, but you're kind of undercover and you can't really tell And the last stage you were holding wind. Yeah. So sometimes that's just how it goes. And sometimes that's how how things, you know, happen. Um, it's, it, it's all about picking those up and keeping it going. You know, there's, it's okay to miss a shot. I mean, it, it's not okay, but it's okay to miss a shot. Try not to miss that second. So what you need is you need a, a lot of really good, valuable information on what happened on your first shot so that you can run the rest of the stage successfully. Um, I felt like I did that pretty well to kind of stay in it and to, uh, give myself the best chance for the win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and that's kind of what happened for me on Sunday. So yeah. just lots of, lots of minus ones. And, and then I had a, I also had a minus four in there as well. I had a six out of 10. So oh, that, that basically yeah. my day was a bunch of minus ones. So nine of them, that's nine points. And then uh, minus four. So I was down 13 or 14 on the day. Yeah. Yeah. That catches up. I had, 
It's I had a better day Saturday Sunday, but I was I had I dug such a big hole. It was kind of the opposite for me. You'd clean everything on Saturday. Well, not you get nines, one down or tens or you know you shot really solid, and then I was seemed like I was always one down below that. Like if you got a ten, I got a nine. I was like, gosh, I just kept just not there. That just that groove or focus and Sunday I felt I cleaned up quite a few stages and and was kind of shooting good but I dug such a big hole I ended up finishing fifth but I was I was down I don't even know quite a few points 12 15 I don't I'd have to I have to pull the scores up but I got so what do you do in in that particular uh, situation what do you do for um you know getting your motivation up keeping your spirits high what's your kind of what's your technique because you know there's a lot of people that are going to drop shots myself you're you know you are going to drop shots so how do we continue to stay on the positive so that we can get uh the next stage we can go in with all of our focus um that we can go in with all of our you know uh good vibes for that next stage what what's your technique i mean it, it it really depends on the situation this one was unique for me um there's some days where I felt like I did what I was supposed to do, uh, and and I ju- and I and it doesn't go my way. I'm like, man, I f- I broke really good shots, and I shot. I felt like I shot as good as I could have shot with the conditions that I had, and then you're still getting beat up pretty bad. And those yeah. days can be more frustrating. This one was maybe easier for me because I was. I I had figured out that I I, I needed to come up a couple tents on my zero. And after I did that, I, cl- I think I cleaned or I shot really good in the last two stages. But the main thing, like I said earlier, that was not the main thing. Um, that was a, a small portion of my issue. The main thing was so unorthodox for me was all that mental stuff. And I was like, that I know that's not me. That's not my norm. And I was like, I know I can fix that tomorrow. I also, <laughs> I also knew I dug big enough hole that I was not borrowing some catastrophic event for uh, – you know, three or four guys that had good scores. There's, I'm not winning the match. And I hate to say that cause I've come back quite a bit, but the way the course fire was, um, as far as it was a closer ranges, I think. So, um, which I, which I do like, it was like kind of that 900 and in type of a match, which I, I like cause it doesn't, you know, it doesn't allow for that 1300 lucky shots where, Hey, maybe I could get lucky and clean like an 1100 yard and a 1200 yard long range. And then maybe those guys would get beat up or, and I could pick up four on a stage. It wasn't that match. It was a, it was a tough match, but it was all within reasonable ranges that were very in control by the shooter. And so those ones are harder to have major blowups on usually. So I, I, I hate again to be, to admit defeat, but I didn't feel like I was shooting for first or second on Sunday. I was a little bit frustrated. Um, um, but it wasn't normal. Like I'll get pretty bummed when I shot. So to answer your question, if I shoot really good, do everything right. I just get frustrated. I was like, I shot as good as I could have shot today and I'm getting crushed. And it was just, maybe I hit certain stages in really bad conditions and that's just frustrating. But this one wasn't as frustrating to me because I knew I was like, man, that's just out of the ordinary. I don't know why I was so mentally, why I did so many mental mistakes, but that will not happen tomorrow. I got some good sleep. I got some good food and I felt a lot better on Sunday. I felt like I was you know when you're in the groove and you're feeling you like you know the wind is going to be this and you and you can really visualize those stages. I felt like I was just sluggish on Saturday. Like I was tired. I've been working a ton. I just I didn't feel like my mind was like 
I wasn't visualizing like, okay, here's two shots on this target, three on here. And I, I had to read through the course descriptions over and over and really trying to get that into my head where normally it just clicks. And on Sunday it was just clicking. And so it was easier for me to just come back. Hey, I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to salvage what I can salvage. I moved up a few spots from Saturday to Sunday and finished in the top five, which, you know, I was down a lot of points, like I said, but you know, I, I creeped up and I did, I did what I wanted to do on Sunday for the most part. Um, so, but I don't know. It's hard to say to me, it really depends on the conditions. There's some matches. Um, I, dude, that's the constant battles, that mental game of, yeah. I hate admitting defeat. I don't, I'm super competitive. If I felt like if the match would go for seven days, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. But sometimes you dig yourself such a big hole. You're like, well, I'm fighting for top 10 now, and I hate doing that, but sometimes that's a reality in some cases. It depends on the match. It depends on who's there. But Can um, you imagine a seven-day match? How cool would that God, be? God, it should be so fun. I just love it. <laughs> just these, just <laughs> averaging out, you know, shoot 100 rounds a day for six or seven days. It would be so sick. So but, here's, a, here's a good example of kind of what you're talking about is uh, you were shooting, and uh, – I think you were having a really good stage. Uh, and I, I, I'm, I'm blanking on the stage, uh, that you were shooting, but I was spotting you and I knew exactly what happened before mm-hmm. it happened. And, and so what happened is, is you were holding, uh, let's call it a half mil right on win yep. on, uh, on the right target, but it was a big swing and you had to also shoot the left target as well, which was let's call it 90 degrees to the left. Oh, this is my mulligan stage. And and the wind was different over there. And so what happened is that you shot and you were holding, you know, half mil, right, half mil, right. You went over to the left target Mm -hmm. and you should have been holding like left edge. Instead, you also went half mil, right. And so you missed it. I saw exactly where it went. I already knew what you did before, you got up and told everyone. And so while I was back there and I was spotting, um, I told everyone, I said, this is a really good example of how much of a mental game this is yep. because all those targets that was are Saturday hittable morning and, and all those targets are 100% hittable. And so then I, I, I turned around and I said, Hey boys, this is a mental game. Pay attention. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and then everyone says, what happened? What happened? And, I, and so then I explained, you know, uh, if, if you are paying attention and because everyone can pull the trigger these days, right. Everyone can, can do that. How are you getting prepared? How are you, uh, performing on the clock? How are you thinking through it on the clock? Um, you know, and it's, it's not necessarily, uh, pulling the trigger because we all have accurate rifles. We all have, um, you know, that, that talent to pull the trigger, but it's a lot more than that. And that was, and I'm not saying that to pick on you or, or no, say anything, but it, that was a really good example of 100%. You know, mental check. And there's, a, there's some people uh, that we, you know, we train a lot of people too, and, yeah. and they might make uh, this mistake 10, 12 times in a match, right? Well, those 10, 12 times, those points add up quickly. Yeah, um, they do. <laughs> you know, you're down 10, 15 points, plus you got maybe... Uh, a few more that kind of compound on those mistakes. And so those mistakes might compound from 10 to 15 shots to 15 to 20 shots. Mm-hmm. And there you go. Right. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that was a, that was like the second or third stage of the match on Saturday and it was an easy stage. Um, it was just a 
five position prone, two targets. They're pretty generous size, one of the easier stages of the match probably. And the wind had switched. I just couldn't, again, I just was foggy. I just was, I saw where it landed and I was like, okay. And I, it's hard to explain. They're just, two targets were very far apart. And so I would, I kept hitting the left one. I kept missing the right one. They weren't very far apart and I kept making, making corrections. Anyway, it was just a cluster of just me not, it's like that level of focus. And, and I think it's confidence of just, it, it depends on the stage, but I just wasn't folk. I wasn't seeing and computing fast enough. I think that comes back to, I kind of making, I actually started making more notes on, on diet of what I ate the day before and that morning. And I've, kind of watching that and then and then obviously I always try to pay attention to sleep and I didn't get much I hadn't got a whole lot that week um and I know that that definitely plays a part but um trying are you to still trying to do like less caffeine and, no, and more sleep or what are you trying to no, do no a caffeine I if I again I'm not it's not great if I don't drink caffeine I'll get a headache I'm, I'm pretty hooked on coffee now but I don't <laughs> I don't get shakes or jittery from I, I've drank drank enough I don't get I don't get all jacked up. I'm not drinking monsters like some guys. I know Clay drink can he just drink monsters during a shoot and he's stone cold. So, I mean, I don't know. It's uh, it's I, caffeine doesn't bother. I like drinking coffee and I have I've been doing that for a couple of years now and I kind of I tried it not doing it for a while but I just felt groggy and in fact I kind of wanted a little bit more on Saturday I was thinking about I was like I should have brought a coffee because I can't think straight right now and that and, th- and that has crossed my mind of maybe I get too caffeine dependent during the week where I'm drinking quite a bit of coffee um and then in a match I'm drinking less coffee I was like I wonder if that's it so I've kind of been we're kind of watching that a little bit, but I think if I get plenty of sleep, I just my normal, just a good coffee in the morning is okay. But just try, I want to eat a, a good meal before, but I'm, I've been taking notes, so I can't say anything yet. But I've been I wrote that wrote what I did on Sunday and Saturday and the differences and kind of sleep, and I've been kind of keeping a journal. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that more for the next few months and see if I That's can great. pick up some patterns because I felt it, I felt night and day different on Saturday than I did on Sunday. I mean it was. It was crazy. And, and I don't know if it's just because we haven't shot for a long time and I have been working a lot and working long. Uh, and, you know, it just just was a real busy week with 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 stuff going on uh, at home. And uh, and then a long drive. I mean, eight hour drive and getting in late. I think we went to bed around one or something and got there pretty late. So yeah. uh, just that's obviously we, we, we all do that when we're traveling to matches. But that, I'm sure that was part of it. But I just anyway, back to that stage, I was not in it. I. I got done. I had a mulligan. They did mulligans this match. Um, I said, like, I'm doing a mulligan. And I ended up cleaning it the second <laughs> run. I kind of got a plan. And I'm like, okay. Uh, the, and the wind had switched. And that's why I started missing. I just wasn't, it wasn't calculating in my head or something. I was just like asleep. And so I, I got a plan. I ended up cleaning it the second time through. But um, it took some effort. And if we wouldn't have mulligans, that would have been even more painful. So, yeah. Um, Anyway. No, that's that's a good point, and I think uh, uh, you brought up some good stuff about kind of pre-match rituals or pre-match diet, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm a big fan of of paying attention to what you're doing too. So mm-hmm. yeah, if it's you know for me, I I don't tend to eat a lot of sugars anyway, so yep. I'm going to stay away from the candy bars and I'm going to stay away from. You know, all that kind of stuff Um, anyway. But I think that, you know, what I've noticed is that actually helps me uh, to uh, 
uh, you know, not have that sugar high and crash or, yep. you know, not have that. And instead it's just going to be an even keel ho-hum throughout the entire day and, mm-hmm. you know, snack on some good foods during the day. And then you're going to be good to go for the entire match. So, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's kind of what I do, but I think, uh, well, you, you've you know, rubbed just, up on, rub, uh, you've rubbed off on me a fair bit. Just like I, like when I started this, I, was, I got no money. So I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go eat. I'm going to sleep in a tent. I'm going to eat it a fast food and I'm not going to sleep very good. Cause I'm either <laughs> sleeping in a rental car or a tent trying to save money. Well, that catches you. That and, does catch you. Absolutely. And, and we're not staying in the freaking nicest hotels and all these places. But if you say someone clean, especially if you go to a hot environment, get some AC so you can sleep at night and, and eat a good meal. Like you like to, you know, go grab a steak and just a good, like if you can eat, I eat pretty good at home. My wife takes pretty good care of me with, you know, chicken steak. Like tonight we had, I had a good chicken salad and potatoes and we eat steak and potatoes quite a bit or rice and chicken. Just, just a lot of that kind of stuff. So if I can continue that when my body's used to on the road, yep. um, traveling is hard enough, um, you know, flying especially, but you know, setting, going wide open at work and then trying to set in a car for eight hours and, and do that. That's, it just throws you off your schedule. So if you can keep that food as close to normal, I think that's a, I think that's something that no one really talks about that I've been kind of noticing. And when you get to these levels, like when you're trying to win these matches, like we're talking about some pretty subtle stuff, that's hard to like, you know, get through, we can cover the foundations and the basics of a lot of different things and trace some of the more advanced things and seeing stuff and, and kind of work through that. But then those last tiny 1%, half a percent things of how do I feel? How do I think? How can I control how I feel or think, you know, those are the little tiny and the most difficult, those little tiny incremental challenges that, that can make the difference between, you know, fifth place and third place and third place and first place. And so you're really splitting hairs when you get down there. And I don't know, I, again, I'm going to keep track and try to get a pattern of how I feel the best, especially when I start flying more. Um, I love it. but just something I've love been thinking it. about. So, um, anyway, you ran, so this was your first match with, uh, alpha dasher brass, wasn't it? Yeah, I was actually, this is my first match with a couple of things. Uh, I yeah. ran the, the new uh, Alpha Dasher Brass, and I ran the new U.S. Optics Foundation oh, cool. uh, line scope, and so it was it was uh, you know kind of some first for me. Um, obviously, you know both are are great, and I have I have nothing but good things to say about them. So mm-hmm. uh, you know for uh, for the Dasher, I um, I was a little nervous because I've had so much success with the BRX and. Yeah. Um, I've been running, you know, uh, this dasher now, which was the first full match. I really shot it with, mm-hmm. uh, I practiced quite a bit and just going into it, you're, you know, you're nervous. And so mm-hmm. what, you know, are my mags going to feed the same? Is my, is everything going to be okay? You know, and yeah. so you just don't know. Well, yeah. I went to the range, I water tested it. I typically run all my stuff pretty low. And so I feel like I can shoot the darn stuff underwater yep. and, and be okay pressure wise. And I'm running, uh, this, this particular, uh, load that I'm finding is 31.5 grains of Varget. And I'm running a 110 a tip, uh, right around 2,800, uh, just a, mm-hmm. just a shade under 2,796 or something like that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I sprayed a bunch of water on it, uh, during my practice day. Um, I found out it can take, uh, you know, some water and mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure that it's not at the, the upper edge of pressure already. And so I can, uh, just feel a lot more comfortable about that yeah. and, and yep. know that that's going to be able to perform in, in every condition. Yeah. You're going with hammering too. So we so, were, we shot this with the first geez the first stage of Saturday we we started we had clean steel, and you were first up. Um, it was this uh, position off these rails, uh, and there was, the oh no, there was off this backpack, and so we had to shoot off this backpack, and it wasn't uh, full, so it was kind of a little bit bouncy off of this. It was off a forty five degree angle set on it. Railroad tied a 45 degree angle and there was a backpack setting on it and you had to shoot the gun over the backpack. And the target was, was it 750? It was a poke. Yeah, it, yep. That's right. It's about 750. <laughs> and Paul and I are behind you on glass. Cause here we go. First stage of the day and we're all watching trace and watching, watching what the wind's doing. And you put a, you put a stinking group on that clean plate. You put three, into one it. splash <laughs> at 700 off this freaking wobbly backpack. And Paul and I are just looking at each other, shaking our heads. We're like, you got, you, I couldn't shoot that good prone. Like, I was like, come on. I, it was, it was, I, I was like, all right, he's off to a good start. Here we go. Yeah, so I, I thought I heard something. Like dude, I was, something. I was Somebody's too. Like, I was like, I wish I had a like, phone scope rolling. Yeah. Someone was giggling about, holy <laughs> smokes, Jake's, Jake's coming ready. Dude, right, it, was, it was dirty. So anyway, no, that was the the first, the first, anyway, that was hammer time. But yeah, the first with the alpha. So you're not, so no pressure at all with the water at 28? Uh, you know, after I, I did this multiple times, so I'm at 2,800, I felt pretty good about it. Okay. Um, and one thing I noticed is, is when I run my BRX, yep. what happens is, you act, you fire, you have to fire form that brass. And yep. so you're, you're basically hardening that brass, uh, before you shoot your first firing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one thing that I notice that is slightly different with the alpha because the alpha is, uh, out of the box, ready to shoot. Um, I find that that first, I, I'm very interested to see what's going to happen based off of the second firing. And the mm-hmm. reason I say that is because, all my experience has been, you know, basically, uh, fire forming. I already have that stuff fire formed. Yeah. Well, that brass is now slightly hardened. Mm-hmm. And so you can typically run that a little bit higher pressures now and run it a little faster. You're not going to see as much pressure. You're not going to see any hard, hard bolt lifts or extractor marks, et cetera, mm-hmm. uh, from that particular brass because it's a little bit hardened. Well, the alpha starts off, uh, it's, it's a little softer. Um, and so the pressures that, that you see, you don't see them on the second firing or third firing or fourth firing, uh, because now that brass is basically, it's basically equal to, um, in, in my opinion, it's equal to after the fire form with say, uh, you know, my BRX. And so. I'm I'm excited to see what happens moving forward. Um, I I I got a bunch of brass that I'm going to shoot. I'm cool. literally just taking the stuff right out of the box, throwing powder primer in it, throwing powder in it, and topping it with a bullet. Yeah, and that's going to be my match ammo all year. So that's I'm pretty, really excited about it. It's pretty convenient. But yeah, 2800. Um, I I I tend to run my stuff low. There's some guys that say, oh yeah, I'm running mine. 
that's all fine and dandy, guys. I'm going to stay down here in my little low, slow node and just yeah. be happy and content. Yeah, I loaded this on this match. I was loading 30.9 grains of Argan in my Dasher. So usually like, a lot of guys are 32.2. So I'm like, I'm 30.9. So I'm down there ways with a little 105 hybrid. And we're going 28.90, and it's just hammering. So It's just so consistent, though, isn't it? I know. I think I'm going to get away from I, a lot of – and a lot of guys run dashes. Really good luck at 29.50. I just I've, – I've seen pressure in rain with that for sure. And so I want to get way out of there. I don't want to – I don't want to – we've talked about this a million times. We don't need to beat yeah. a dead horse. But I just – I've been slowing down more than I normally did. I, I ran 29.20 for a long time, and I just – find myself creeping down and it just seems like it's more and more consistent so yeah um i'm actually building the i was talking to joe where i'm gonna do a 6br he's like he's like just let's, oh. let's give her a rip and then because then i'm taking brass out of the box because i love 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 the lapua brass super tough and so i was like man if i can pull pull brass out of a box and go to a match that's gonna be a plus so i'm gonna i'm gonna for sure keep my dash around fire form brass for it now but I'm also gonna gonna crack some br and I'm gonna leave it br and I'm gonna play with that. So after some, do you some think that stuff, you'll shoot that with, at the matches? I think so. Yeah, I think after it's I get just it, gonna hammer. Well, and Joe's like, he's like, dude, if you put 28 inch barrel on him, which I mean, two more inches isn't it gonna change the way this game is shot for me. And I was like, he's like, if you leave those at 28, he goes, you won't know a difference. So you, they were there's the guys running those 28 inch barrels fast. I was like. I think I can hit the speeds I'm running with a dasher. Like if I load down to 2850, which everyone says I'll get with a 105, no problem with the 28 inch. I, I don't care. I mean, if that's if that's no if that's rain safe and everything's good yep. and it's super consistent, then I don't care. Like I don't. Yeah. I didn't miss any targets because my gun wasn't fast enough. I missed targets because exactly. I'm a bonehead. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. That's and that's exactly how I feel. It's I rarely miss targets because I wasn't shooting another 30 feet a second. Yeah. You know, I miss targets because I yanked the trigger like yep. a ding dong. Yep. And you can make the argument. I, mean, I, we, I get messages every week from guys. Why not a six creed? Why not this? Why not a 243? And I'm like, yeah, 300 feet a second with a, with a high BC bullet, a 109, a 110, a DTAC. You can run those at 3150. I've shot those at 3150 matches and have done really well. Um, it's just a trade-off. Yes, yeah. those can buy you some more hits in big wind or switchy winds. I'm not, that is true. But overall, throughout the season, consistency is king and the BR-based stuff is still dominating. And That's so right. it, it just, it is what it is. If I had to make one shot at whatever a super long range and big wind yeah i'll grab a hot 30 cal or a big 338 or a fast seven i i, I get it but it just man just the slow and steady that super cons i just love watching that trace every single time no vertical super consistent so again mm -hmm. dead horse we've talked about it a million times so um yeah one other thing i ran you uh was able to run that a um, couple things for me as I ran, I've been a Harris guy forever, as you guys know. Um, and I left it at home on purpose. So I would run the sky pod, <laughs> the whole match. So I'm getting used to the sky pod. Um, still some, still some kinks for me to work out just cause I've been, I've just legs are different to fold them up. I got to pull a button like an Atlas. I've always run Harris, just push and pull. And so, um, 
getting used to it. I did like it. There were some great stages where like that big cant and just the versatility of the sky pod really growing on me. So that was kind of fun. Um, I, I, kings to work out, but I think I'm, think it's going to grow on me. I got a, 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 a locking pan today so I can swap that out. So it, it doesn't pan anymore, which I, I prefer. Um, and then, and then the Armageddon gear, the medium, the medium kind of heavy fill game changer. I ran that the whole time. I really like that. I believe you were running that too. I was. Um, and, and what, what are your thoughts on it so far? So I, um, I think over a barricade, over a rock, over a tank trap, over any sort of mm-hmm. position where your gun is resting on it, I don't know um, if there's a better bag. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the best bag that Armageddon Gear makes for that particular uh, style of shooting. A mm-hmm. lot of people are, you know, center balancing their guns, um, uh, essentially putting a bag down and putting the gun on there and it's going to balance is, is just the technique of shooting, um, yep. you know, as of, as of right now. And it's just so solid. It has the wax canvas. It's got the fine grain sand. Mm-hmm. Um, everything just settles in so nicely and I'm, I'm super pumped about it. Uh, yep. I did tend to, still still feel more comfortable with my full-size game changer in a prone position yep same. and i think the reason is is because i'm a bigger guy and i have a big chest Mm -hmm. and so the sandbag tends to sit about two inches lower um and the full-size game changer uh with just the poly beads sits a little bit higher um Mm -hmm. i haven't worked out all those kinks yet but um i would prefer just to carry one bag and so that's why i gotta that's tough uh, kind of practice it because i got an eight pound medium bag from from ag and i got a six pound full-size uh poly fill uh i I would prefer not to carry 14 or 15 pounds of bag i mean i'll do it yeah but i don't i sure don't want to <laughs> yeah that's the i still prefer the full-size game changer for prone i it's it's, yeah. it's lighter it's faster to manipulate and it's more versatile you can go real tall you can go real light so my meet in the middle ground what i've been doing because i've been running the pint size for a while and i really like the pint size i've gone back and forth i've talked to tom about the medium and the pint size like man i sometimes i prefer one over the other because the pint size is obviously a little bit lighter because it's smaller so it's a little quicker to manipulate but that I did bring the medium. I, I did a couple things. I didn't bring my Harris because I wanted to use the Skypod, and I didn't bring the pint size because I wanted to use the medium. I did did that on purpose, and I really like the medium. I never – I think I'll probably continue to do that. But for the the full size, what I've done is I've, I've – I've, I put filled one with Get Light, that Get Light fill from Chris Giddings. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a rear bag, I can't tell a difference. Um at all I, and it's great because then you save all that weight so you can you can bring up the sand the sand you know the medium or the the pint size or the medium or medium and and then still also have a full size but you're not packing another eight pounds it's you know it's a pound or less yeah so that's yeah. kind of what i've done and i've really uh, for me that's my my meat in the middle right now um as far as not packing tons of weight so yeah and but, i think as as long as you can as long as you can be comfortable with the gear you're carrying, um, obviously every match has a little bit of, of differences. So when, you know, when all you guys that are listening, when you're getting ready for a match, you know, figure out 
where am I going? What am I doing? And a lot of times if you're, if you're at a square range, you can take whatever you want because you're only walking 18 feet to the next stage. And so if you have two bags, that's okay. Sometimes in these field matches, you're walking, you know, 300 yards to the next stage. Well, Mm -hmm. in that particular situation, you kind of got to figure out what do I want to carry? Do I want to have an extra bag? Do I want to have an extra plate or whatever? And then as long as, as long as you're comfortable with that, then throw it in and carry it. For me, I, I still got to, I still got to hammer out those details and, yeah, my, and figure it out. My main thing with the weight is flying, is trying to make weight your 50-pound limit without, yeah. you know, if you're not flying first class, you go to 70 or whatever. But when I'm trying flying coach at 50 pounds, and that's my main thing is I can't fly with that many bags and that much ammo. I just – there's not enough. I'll, yeah. put, I'll, put, I'll put a bunch of those bags in my pack – and so I'll have a 50 pound little tiny carry on that goes in overhead. I'll done that a lot with optics and bags. It'll be 40 pounds ish. And so it's just, that's my main concern. If in a match yep. where I'm walking, you can carry some weight, but yeah, it's a flying, it's a, it's a pain. Um, I love it. But anyway, then short update, I, I'm going to say something, but because, oh. <laughs> because I heard, Tim from Leupold say on another podcast. So if he said, I'm going to mention it, but as you guys know, we've been, we've been working on a radical with Leupold and we're getting close. So don't message them. Don't bug them. We had, I just stopped talking about it. Cause he said a bunch of people called and we're asking for dates. It's, 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 I, I, I don't know, but we're, it's moving along well. So it, you know, it's, it's come along. So I'm going to say it cause Tim was talking about it on a public, on their podcast. So, we are making headway, and it sounds like we we still know for sure dates, but it is going along well. So I'm hoping um, it'll it'll for sure it'll be this year, and it'll be sooner than later. And as soon as I hear anything, which should be soon, I'm going to keep keep you posted. But it is I've gotten so many messages and so many comments. I want to say something. It's moving along very very well. We don't have exact dates, but I've gotten so many messages like every day. So, and I heard, I heard them talk about it on their podcast. So, um, uh, so I, that's a public thing. So I'm going to mention it too. So try to I'm going to uh, address some of those questions him tomorrow and tell him John sent me and asked about the reticle. Do it. Just call their customer service. I guess we did a podcast <laughs> and, and they're, and the next day, I can't remember when, when we mentioned it and it was, the next day their customer service was like a whole bunch of people called and flooded their customer service over the same stinking question. So I kind of got a slap on the wrist. So (laughs) (laughs) anyway, but I heard him talk about it and we are getting closer. So again, don't call them. I just want to give you an update. Don't message me because I can't tell you yet. And I don't know for sure the date, but we're moving along quickly and I will let you guys know here as soon as I can, because I'm super jacked for it. So, yeah. Anyway, a little side well, that's note. That's awesome. Well, um, yeah. yeah. You know, kind of as a as a wrap up to yeah. uh, to this episode, we have uh, we're going to kind of get back into the you know the giveaway mode, and Woo. so we have a few different people that we're working with um, to give you guys some awesome stuff. Uh, this one comes courtesy of Swanee's Comp Gear, and so. Jeremy Swanson uh, with Swanee's Comp Gear reached out. So he's going to, and you know, we'll have the details and, and all the links, but he's going to give the, uh, the beginner's kit, it's called. And so inside the beginner's kit is a lot of really cool stuff. Um, you get bags, you get ammo holders, you get a Kestrel holder. Um, you know, you get a few different things to 
uh, really help you out. And there's two different options for the beginner's kit. And so we'll link to both of those options. But mm-hmm. uh, Swanee's is actually going to send uh, the winner uh, that uh, completely free. Um, that's got like a brass marker in it uh, from Gray Ops CNC. And it's got uh, some Armageddon gear in it. It's got some Wee Bad gear in it. Kind of just depends on on what you want to uh, uh, grab. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to do uh, the giveaway for that. Uh, like the episode when we post it up, share it, tag a couple friends. Sweet. And then what we're going to do is we're going to randomly uh, uh, draw that. Um, do you want to give that away in the next episode or what's your thoughts? Um, let's not decide. Let's, let's give it, maybe we'll give it at least a week, maybe two. So I don't want to stretch it out very long, but just probably next time, but I just don't want to hold it to it because depending on schedule and stuff. So next week or two, and we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll get a, we'll on the, so on this episode, um, the post that we'll make on Instagram, Facebook, just, yeah. So what you want to tag, you want to tag Jeremy, you want to tag, tag Swanee's, tag, should we tag gray ops or you want to do everybody or what are you thinking? Or just do Swanee's um, or I guess Swanee's giving it away. Let's so tag, let's just tag Swanee's and he can, he's, he can forward all that. He's covering the gray ops stuff. So, so if Dave wants, if Dave wants to, if Dave wants to do a giveaway, then we'll tag Dave stuff. So come on, Dave, get up in here. We'll, 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 t- we'll, we'll pressure him a little bit. So uh, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, uh, Dave Preston, one of our teammates over on these coast owns gray ops and has, has been doing, making some cool gear. So, um, all right, right on. Thanks Swanee. That's awesome. Appreciate you, buddy. As if you guys don't know, he makes the best, uh, tomahawk steaks this side of Europe, so um, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's late. Um, uh, okay, so tag us or tag Swanee, tag VP, and we'll do that uh, as soon as we can. So um, anyway, buddy, thanks again for coming on. It was fun seeing you this weekend. It was it was short, it was quick, but it was fun to get going. I can't wait for the the next matches coming up. So yeah, right. um, until next time. Doodles.